Good morning, church. And Merry Christmas. Is it too early to say that? I don't think so. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're so happy to have you here this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. If it is your first time here, we'd love to connect with you. So there is a new here button. Please click that, fill out the information, and then someone will connect with you, as well as any point throughout the service. If you need prayer, just hit prayer, and you'll be connected with somebody from our prayer team. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Amen. We're going to rejoice today, because today is the good day that the Lord has made. And it's something to be joyful about. It's something to be happy about. And we're just going to lift our praise to Him. So let's do that together.
Father, we just thank you so much for this day, God. We thank you so much for this space to worship you freely, God. And we thank you that you're already in our midst, Father, working in our hearts, God, working in our lives, Lord. And we're so thankful that we can stand firm in you, Lord. When the storms come, God, when we feel shaken, God, we're actually not shaken, Lord, because you are our firm foundation.
could just take your seats for a moment. When we were putting the service together, this song was already uh, picked. I just thought it was perfect to, to put in this part of the service that we're going to have today. Christmas is a great time. We love it. Uh, we enjoy the getting together, the celebration, and the fun that we can have at Christmas. But it's also a time where, um, for many, they remember, they reflect, and they, they feel the loss of loved ones who aren't with them anymore. And the holidays do that. And um, all the poinsettias have been uh, donated in memory of, of people from our congregation, that, uh, people that they are loved ones. And um, I'm reminded of the scripture that Paul talks in 2 Corinthians. He refers to Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our sorrows and difficulties. And that song, he won't let us down, he won't fail, is so true. And uh, we're going to show just a short video with names of at least uh, the donations that have been made and in memory of who. And, uh, but would you also pray for each other? As you think of it, uh, pray for those who are feeling the loss this time of year um, and that God would truly uh, just comfort them again. Now, Paul says that we're comforted so that we can comfort others. God teaches us and helps us know that comfort and peace so that we can share that with others. God bless you.
going to continue to worship, so if you can stand and pray.
Your will will come. 
Allah. The psalmist says in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The psalmist is telling us not to forget. God's faithfulness never changes. What God has done in the past, he is still able to do today. But the psalmist is telling us not to forget because life can take us up and down. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His faithfulness, his love has not and will not ever change. In the generations in the past, in this generation, and in the next, we serve a faithful God. Church, hold on to that. Remember that and share the faithfulness of God with those around you, with the next generation. Let them know that God has been good, that God is good, and God will always be good. Amen? Amen. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I was just stirred again in my spirit. God, as we worship you, I, I, I stand amazed, humbled. God, even, even Psalms 103, it, it refers to us as dust, that God, you, you take out all the water and we're just dust. You formed us from the dirt of the ground. And yet, God, you breathed into us an eternal soul and put your love upon us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God that promise the church has held on to for 2,000 years and it is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago that God your love hasn't changed your faithfulness and that God you welcome and you receive all who will believe and receive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a, not a baby in a manger, but a Savior on the cross. That God, you embrace us and hold us and receive us. God, I pray that you would stir our faith. That God, we would remember your faithfulness, your goodness to us. And that God, we would live it. And that God, we would share it with the generation now and then the next generation. And God, if you will, the next generation, that God, you would receive all the praise and all the glory. Father, we've already thought of and prayed for those who are dealing with loss, but there are others, God, who are dealing with, with sickness, who are dealing with treatments, recovery. Uh, God, we think of Wendy and Mark, that God, Mark's mom being uh, in the hospital, and looks like more, or looking into more tests to find out what's all going on. God, be with them. Be with his mom. Miles away, but God, the same spirit that's with us right now is the same spirit with them. And God, we just speak your peace and healing power in that life and in that room right now. And that for all of us, as we lift those needs to you, 
God, may you move by your spirit and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Before you sit down, you turn to someone and you say, God is good. All right? With a smile. Do it with a smile. All right? God is good. Thank you. Very beautiful. Sing worship. Nice. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I've got, now this is a busy time of year, so there's a lot going on. So um, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Put your phones down. All right. I know some of you are. And just try to, try to pay attention. Now, all of these announcements are in our weekly news email that go out. And if you are not uh, part of that, uh, you can just by emailing the office, the email connect at a churchconnected.ca, request to be on that email, and you'll get this information and all the extra details. First of all, we want to welcome you, whether you're watching online or here in the room, we're glad you're here with us. If you're here in the room, there is a communication card in the chair, uh, or, or hopefully right in front of you or near you. And if you take a few minutes and fill that out, and then take it to the counter in the, in the hallway beside the, the photo booth that we've set up for, for people to be able to take pictures. Uh, we just have a Tim's card just to say thank you for being with us today, and we're glad that you're here. Um, we also want to uh, thank people who have brought in donations uh, for the nursing home that we have been um, a part of for years, long before I was here. Uh, people have been collecting things, but I've started that and connecting things. And uh, thank you for everyone. We're going to be taking it to the nursing home this afternoon. As a reminder, if you're on the nursing home uh, service team, we're meeting today, 2 o'clock, all right? It's a different week, and so please come um, because you, you don't want to leave those seniors with just me singing. Trust me, you don't want that. So please come. Um, also, we still need some uh, gifts for the Vita Center Christmas dinner next Sunday. Uh, so if you are able to make a, a monetary donation, uh, big or small, just uh, uh, make it Vita Center, and we will finish shopping this week. By we, I mean someone else. Okay. Um, but thank you. The Vita Center is a, a community group that we've been helping, and we have a dinner going on next week for them here, and uh, the gifts and that for them. Uh, Young Adults Christmas Party Bash Part 3 is tonight, 7 p.m. here at the church. All right. Keep that in mind. Any more information, please see Pastor Mark. Uh, Heartland Youth will be having their uh, youth Christmas party this coming Friday. Uh, here at the church, 7 p.m., costs $10, food, game, and prizes, all right? And WM, this coming Saturday at 10 a.m., Heartland Women's Ministry, invite all women to the Ugly Sweater Christmas Brunch. Uh, here at the church, um, costs $10, sign up at guest services. Next Sunday is a special Christmas service with music and drama and fellowship time afterwards. Invite someone to come with you. It will be a great service and a lot of fun together. Heartland Drama Team and the choir will be celebrating God's gift of light to the world. And following the service, we're going to be going into the gym for the Christmas Market Fellowship. Uh, so please, if you can, sign up uh, for bringing in some... Um, uh, sweets, some desserts, some squares to share together, uh, to bring a plate, and we'll put those out together. It'll be decorated. It'll be a lot of fun. So bring someone with you. Uh, there will also be uh, hot chocolate and hot cider and popcorn, freshly baked or popped popcorn. All right. Uh, 
also coming up on the 24th. That'll be Christmas Eve, but we're having a service in the morning called Simply uh, Christmas Service. It'll be an hour service from 10 to 11, and it'll be a special service different from the Christmas Eve candlelight service. That'll be in the evening, again, an hour service uh, starting at 6 p.m. So we have two services on Christmas Eve, but both of them are different. And uh, we just felt, Pastor just felt, to still have our regular morning service. And then the Christmas Eve service has always been a special and unique service on its own. And uh, we wanted to keep that as it was. Um, there, again, if you forgot anything, or if you did get on your phones and completely ignored me, <laughs> forgot I, the ugly sweater. No, I did mention that. <laughs> oh, that you two are wearing your sweaters. <laughs> What's that? You were supposed to announce it. Okay. Oh, sure. Now you're listening. Yeah. Oh. Um, would you like to come and announce anything? <laughs> I, I had no idea. I thought you were really getting into the thing of Christmas. Could they use your mic? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. That was very on brand for you. <laughs> so morning, Heartland. I don't know if you guys heard, <laughs> but we have um, a brunch coming up on Saturday uh, for the women. How many of you are excited for it? All right. I'm excited too. I'm not going. I just I'm excited too. Yeah, you could be excited yep. if you're not going. Um, so it starts at ten. It's on Saturday the 16th. Um, we're gonna have some really good food, some nice fellowship. Um, I know the women are excited, we are excited. Clearly, she's excited. Um, she's all lit up. Um, but we're looking forward to seeing you guys, all right? So 10 o'clock, come on out, it's $10. You can pay at the guest services, and we'll see you on Saturday. I just wanted to say to you, if you don't have a beautiful sweater like this, we do have an uglification station with lots of stuff that you can come and put on your sweater to make it nice and tacky. Okay? Nice. That's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't have it here that you're coming up. Sorry. I do have here uh, a financial update, and I want to invite Paul and Sasha to come, uh, and they're going to do a financial update. Oh, it's very hard to follow an announcement that includes an uglification station. <laughs> TM, patent it, whatever you need to do stuff. That was really good. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning, Heartland. So good to be with you this morning. Um, as Pastor Kevin mentioned, myself and Paul are part of the Fund Development Committee um, at Heartland here and uh, alongside some other folks who are also serving on there. And we just wanted to continue in the, in the spirit of transparency, as we always should, continue to provide these financial updates to you so you are also tracking closely with where we are, how we're doing at the church, um, and how the operations are working and all of that, because we are all part um, of, that, uh, of that family. And so before I let Paul get into 
the numbers, which he is far better at doing than I am. <laughs> uh, we also just want to also pair this with a view of just how things have been going at the church. Um, for us, it's never just numbers. This is, like I said, we're a family. We come together. We partner together um, to serve God in that way. And I think what we would really be remiss here is to not start this with a big thank you to everybody who's sitting here, everybody who's watching online. Thank you for your continued giving, um, however that shows up. This has been an awesome year for Heartland. There's been so much that's happened. You, you hear it from the the announcements every morning to all the things that are going on. Um, and even just that I, I trust, I know I have, so I trust you have too, just the stories of faithfulness. We just sang about it. But the stories of faithfulness that we hear every day um, or every Sunday or wherever it is, whether we're at a, out at a small group or we're at the cafe or uh, an event, an ugly Christmas sweater party, you, you name it. Um, it doesn't matter what we're doing. God's faithfulness always shows up through those ways. And so thank you so much for how you've given. Um, for, for just some highlights here, uh, we just want to share, you know, this past year, Heartland, we have opened our doors to the community in, in a number of ways uh, to serve those who are in our government, those who are in nearby schools, those who are in healthcare, um, and, and so many have showed up. We have a network of over 140 volunteers, um, you know, 80% of that's probably sitting in the room right now, so thank you and give yourself a pat on the back for all the ways that you continuously show up. Um, we host events, dinner events, uh, we've seen like with the Vita Center and on all that, um, in which our youth and our young adults are always a very big part of as well, and so we, we praise God for, for a generation that we can see is fired up um, and excited to just continue to do the Lord's work um, for all of that. Uh, and then of course, you've seen how we have partnered with different missionaries um, throughout the world and, and, uh, and thank you so much for just the ways that you have blessed them uh, in, in all that they do. Honestly, we're up here to say, we just wanna continue, of course, to, to see that faithful giving to God and to, to you know, have him continue to work through us. And we hope that uh, everyone here feels supported in that. We are always here. We're all praying for one another. And, um, you know, we praise God for what he's done, but we praise God even more for what he, he's going to do. Uh, and we know that, um, that we, we give uh, not just because we're required to biblically or anything like that, but all the more because we trust God. Um, and just know that we are also praying for you in this Christmas season. I know this has been a year uh, of, of one for the books, I think, for many people. And it's just been a, there's so much we hear around us. There's so much that can weigh on you, whether that is mentally or physically or emotionally or financially and all of that. Um, and so just know that God is with you today, tomorrow and every day. And we believe that. Um, and so thank you for how you have given, um, how you continue to give, all of that. Just know uh, that as long as we continue to do that and, and give with that joyful heart, we know that God will, will honor um, and continue to work through Heartland. So thank you for continuing to partner with us. And I'll hand it over to Paul. Thank you very much. I was going to give you a quick financial update. Um, I think a couple weeks ago, those who were here, I had uh, I did give you an update as of the end of October. Um, I want to give you a uh, an update as of last weekend. Um, so we've had a couple. We've had all of November kind of come through, and I just wanted to show you uh, where we are from our uh, revenue standpoint. Um, and uh, so anyways, let's start through there. Uh, general giving. If you remember back in October. 
Again, we had about two months between October, obviously, till then December, and we were, had a shortfall of about $188,000. Uh, as you can see, as of last week, we have uh, uh, you know, made up uh, a good chunk of that, um, but we're still short about $113,000 till the end of the year. Um, mission givings, uh, we are uh, over budget by 22000 rental income by 18000 and we have a debt reduction too. Um, we are just short by about 4000 so we're not doing too bad. Next slide. What I want to do is kind of focus on that $113,000. It's a big number. Um, when you look at it as a whole, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, almost overwhelming. Um, how are we going to get there at the end of the year? Uh, I want to break that down because I don't think it's as big a number as we think it is. Can you go next slide? Here's how I want to break it down. If we look at it um, on, on givings, if I had 100 uh, donors who can give just over $1,100, we can hit that target. If it's 200 uh, donors uh, at 500, just over 500, we hit that target. 300 and so on and so on. So I think you get the message. The more uh, that who can, can kind of help out, this becomes much more achievable. You probably all heard the term, you know, many hands make light work. Well, I think many donors can uh, make light work of, uh, of, of, of that number. So um, I just kind of wanted to show that to you. Um, again, we still have four weeks, including this Sunday, uh, till the end of the year. So I think, um, you know, when you look at it this way, uh, we can certainly hit those numbers pretty easy. If not, we can probably exceed them. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to invite the ushers to come down. We're taking up an offering after our financial report. <laughs> but we do want to thank you for your faithfulness and remind you that there are many ways to give here at Heartland. And again, we, are, uh, we live in a, um, a technology type of era where finances are a lot done. Uh, and we do have those available here as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, uh, for your faithfulness, as we've already done, and God, that never changes. And so I pray that, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful, even in our giving and donations, tithes and offerings, and that, God, you would be glorified, that, God, the work that you began at Heartland and even years ago when it was central, that, God, you would continue and you would be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
action. And a lot of churches and denominations remember it, and we've done it here for a couple years. Advent is a time of reflection, preparation for the remembrance of the birth of Christ and the expected return in his second coming. The name is adopted from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming or arrival. And in the New Testament, it is this term used for the second coming of Christ. Therefore, as we remember Advent, uh, it is uh, remembered by the Christian in the Christian calendar as an anticipation to the coming of Christ in three different ways. The physical nativity that we remember, reflect upon as Christmas. The receiving of Christ in a believer's heart, but also in his promised return in the second coming. Uh, today, we are having Satish and Daisy and Rachel who are going to come and they're going to uh, read in uh, French. And we've got people from all over. And so at Advent, we kind of like to reflect that and uh, have different languages that kind of reflect who we are. Thank you. So, we're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1 through 6, and then verse 10. So, I'm going to be reading in French, starting off. Désert et terre sèche, soyez dans la joie. Région sans eau, réjouis-toi et fleuris. Couvre-toi de fleurs des champs, réjouis-toi, réjouis-toi et crie de joie. Le Seigneur te rendra magnifique comme les montagnes du Liban. Il te donnera la bonté du Mont Carmel et des plaines de Saron. Alors tout le monde verra la gloire du Seigneur, la bonté de notre Dieu. Redonnez de la force aux bras fatigués. Rendez plus solides les genoux tremblants. Dites à ceux qui perdent courage, soyez forts. N'ayez pas, pas peur. Voici votre Dieu. Il vient vous venger et rendre à vos ennemis le mal qu'ils vous ont fait. Il vient lui-même vous sauver. Alors les yeux des aveugles verront clair, les oreilles des sourds entendront. Les boiteaux bondiront comme des gazelles et la bouche des muets s'ouvrira pour exprimer leur joie. De l'eau jaillira dans le désert, des fleuves couleront dans la terre sèche. Ceux que le Seigneur aura délivrés reviendront. Ils arriveront à Sion en criant de joie. Un bonheur sans fin éclairera leur visage. Une joie débordante les accompagnera, souffrances et plaintes disparaîtront. This I, I, I translate a poem in French. Dieu d'amour qui nous a apporté de l'amour de Seigneur, que cet amour demeure au milieu de nous. Dieu de paix qui nous a apporté la paix dans ce monde, que cette paix demeure au milieu de nous. Dieu de joie qui nous a apporté de la joie dans ce monde, que cette joie demeure au milieu de nous. Dieu d'espoir, le rocher sur lequel nous nous appuyons, soit le centre de nos vies de chaque jour particulièrement en ces temps d'avènement. Que cette joie que tu nous as donnée abondamment sera un témoignage de ton amour, ta grâce et ta miséricorde 
qui se reflète. Notre Père qui est ce ciel, que ton nom soit sanctifié, que ton règne vienne, que ta volonté soit faite sur la terre comme au ciel. Donne-nous aujourd'hui notre pain quotidien. Pardonne-nous nos offenses, comme nous aussi nous pardonnons à ceux qui nous ont offensés. Ne nous induis pas en tentation, mais délivre-nous du malin, car c'est à toi qu'appartiennent l'honneur, la gloire et la puissance dans des siècles et des siècles, Seigneur. Merci, Papa, d'avoir envoyé Jésus pour nous, Seigneur. Amen. Well, good morning. It's wonderful, isn't it, to be part of a, a multicultural church that uh, has nations presented? Except for Antarctica, I believe. Any? No, there's nobody from there. Kiddos, you are dismissed. Oh, I know you want to get going. Parents, just remember that today you'll be picking your kids up from the sanctuary because they'll be practicing for their Christmas... Um, Uh, do uh, next week. And so that'll be very, very exciting that we'll get to see that. And I thought today I would just take it easy and just relax in the spirit of Christ. Is that okay? You all get to sit, you know. I've been sitting, I've been standing a lot and out and about everywhere this week. And so I thought, you know, today I just want to relax and just sit and just worship with you and read the scriptures with you. Today will be more of a, a, a devotional format, but I, I think it'll be very encouraging and very uh, uh, just impactful for you. We've started a series called The Light of the World, and we're in this series we're going to be, we have been looking at the first few verses of the Gospel of John, where John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and we'll, we'll read that in a few moments. And if I could sum up the series in just one word, that word would be light, that Christ is the light of the world. Now, I do need to issue a bit of a correction. I made a statement last week that wasn't entirely correct, and, and, and you'll, you'll kind of go, oh, it's, maybe you're splitting hairs, but, but I, I said last week that the Human Rights Commission passed a resolution denouncing Christmas, and that wasn't exactly accurate. What I had misread an article from the Global, Global News, and, and let me read the article to give you clarity, and you're going to go, Pastor, you know, doesn't change much for me, but, but I think it's important to do. So the House of Commons has, this is from Global News last week, has unanimously adopted a Bloc Quebecois motion Thursday that denounces a recent discussion paper suggesting the Christmas statutory holiday amounts to systemic religious discrimination. The motion brought forward by the Bloc Quebecois House called for the House to denounce the Canadian Human Rights Commission paper. Now, the wording of the motion says that the House should recall Christmas is a tradition celebrated in Quebec and Canada and denounce the CHRC's statement that the statutory holiday related to Christianity, including Christmas and Easter, represents an obvious example of systemic religious discrimination and that this discrimination against religious minorities in Canada is grounded in Canada's history of colonialism. So here's the debate that's been raging. Do other religions get holidays other than Christianity? That's the big debate that's happening. 
And so, and, and you can fall on either end of that debate. So it wasn't a resolution that was passed, but it was a paper really highlighting that conversation and that discussion and highlighting that, you know what, in Canada, we're really a country of many cultures and many religions. So how, how do you best go about governing a country? Now, in this motion put forth by the, the Bloc Québécois, they said that uh, it goes on to ask the House to denounce all attempts to polarize events that have been part of Quebec and Canadian heritage for generations and invite all Quebecers, I said it, I'm from Quebec, so Quebecers and Canadians to unite as we approach the Christmas season. And so there's an ongoing debate about you know, whether or not Canada is a Christian nation. And some would say, yes, it is. Some would say, no, it's not. Some would say it needs to be a secular nation. Some would say it needs to be a multi-religious nation. And I can promise you, Heartland's not going to solve that debate, right? But nevertheless, it is happening in our political spheres. It is happening out there in the highways and the byways. And we, ultimately, we don't know what the, the, well, I know what the final answer will be, that Christ will come and set up a Christian country, a Christian nation, a Christian kingdom focused on him and him alone. But until we get there, we have to learn and figure out how to get along. But, you know, you might be saying, well, Pastor, thanks for the correction. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't a resolution. It was other political groups passing motions and whatnot, and everyone's got their own interpretation. But even though you say all that, it, it still seems like Christianity and now Christmas is becoming an increasingly polarizing topic. So I grew up as a Muslim. And I tell you, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind getting Christmas off at all. I thought, this is like two weeks, and I don't, I don't have to fast for like a whole month. I just got to like throw snowballs at people. Oh, this, is, this is amazing. We should give everybody a holiday. And so, and, and again, setting that conversation aside, it does seem like Christianity and Christmas is becoming an increasingly polarizing topic, and, and, and this is the reason why. The Bible doesn't present Jesus as a light of the world. It doesn't present Jesus as a light among other lights. The Bible does not present itself as a religion amongst a conglomerate of religions. It presents itself as the way, the truth, and the life. You don't have to like that, but, but you have to be intellectually honest in saying that is the way the Christian scriptures present themselves. And as we shared last week, you know, that Christ is the only light in a hopeless night. He's not a light, but the light. The challenge, I think, comes for us in a multicultural, multi-religious world that Jesus as the light has significant implications for us. Jesus as the light has significant implications in, for Christians living in a, in a multi-religious environment. How many people here work with people who have a different religion? Yeah, a few of you. And they have different holidays, right? And, and that's all, or, or different religious um, days of the year that they celebrate. Maybe they're not holidays. Maybe they should be. And I'm sure wiser people than I will figure that out. But we live in this multi-religious environment. And yet, in this environment, we believe that Jesus doesn't present himself as, well, I'm just, I'm just another guy amongst other holy guys. He presents himself as, as light, as life, as creator. It, it reminds me of a story. Uh, his, his name, I'm not making this up, his name is Elvis. 
and, uh, and he told me, a st- he owns a bricklaying company, a uh, fairly large bricklaying company, and he told me a really funny thing that happened to him one time. So they're laying bricks. Anyone here ever lay bricks? No, no scratch, nobody? Okay, nobody's ever laid bricks. Well, hope, well if your house is made, oh, one, I see one over here somewhere. Anyway, uh, he, he, owned a, he owns a bricklaying company, and they'd hired somebody new. And the owner, Elvis, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's hired people to do the books. He's hired people to do, like, the, the minutia of the work because he loves laying bricks. He's good at laying bricks. He's a, he's a brick-laying master. He, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there are competitions out there for bricklaying and decorative bricklaying, and he enters all the time, and he actually wins a lot of those competitions. And so it's, it's an art. It's not just, you know... It's not like Lego. Like the, there's an art to it. There's an art form. And so they'd hired a, a new individual, and he was just laying bricks incorrectly. And so, you know, uh, Elvis, he's there, and he's, you know, he's got the brick-laying outfit. He's covered in mud and dust and the rest of it. And he's telling the new guy, you know, that's not how you lay bricks. You got to do it this way and that way. And after about 20 minutes, this new employee is getting so frustrated. He's thinking to himself, who is this guy telling me? Telling me how to lay bricks, you know, like what business does he have? And so eventually after about, you know, three, four hours of being corrected and, you know, being lovingly guided, uh, as lovingly as you can be guided on a bricklaying construction site, the new employee said to the owner, not knowing he was the owner, who do you think you are telling me how to lay bricks? To which, you know, my buddy replied, you know, in, in more colorful language, who do I think I am? I'm the guy that signs your paycheck. I, it's my name on the side of the company. And uh, long story short, he wasn't at the company much longer. And so I'm not just the boss. I, I made the company. A- and that's, that's the blessing, but also the challenge in talking about Christianity and Christmas. That he's not just someone who's involved in creation. He is the creator and we believe, even if you take religion out of the equation, that the creator gets to, desi- gets to decide the design of the created. Like if you are the creator, if it's your canvas and your paintbrush, you get to draw and you get to decide what you draw. You get to decide what it represents and what it means and what function it should serve because the creator gets to design the designer. The creator decides the design of the creator. Now, of course, the question becomes, well, what if I've got my own purpose in mind? What if I've got my own value, my own religion, my own ways, my own thoughts, my own this, my own that, my own reason for my own existence? What, what do you do with me wanting to live life my way in contrast with the Christian claim that the designer created you with a design in mind, that you didn't come here simply by accident, that, that, there are, that there is a reason for your existence, and that reason isn't rooted in your thought life and simply your passions and desires, though God can use those, but they're rooted in something eternal, something bigger and grander than what we can perceive in the universe. And so it's with that thought process I want to read to you again the opening verses of the Gospel 
of John. We read, we're going to read them every week. But this is what John said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, ironically, the Apostle John was near the end of his life. He had already been exiled on Patmos. They, couldn't, they literally could not kill him. They tried to, uh, I think, stab him. I know certainly boil him to death in a cauldron of boiling, whatever it was. They just couldn't kill him. They couldn't injure him. And so they exiled him instead. And after his exile, he came back to a city called Ephesus where he wrote both the, the epistles, the letters of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the gospel of John. And so at around 97 AD, he was nearing literally the end of his life. And near the end of his life, he is writing about the beginning. Not the beginning of Jesus, but our beginning. That at the beginning of space and time and matter and everything there is, the Word, Jesus was with God and the Word was God. Verse 2 goes on to say that He was in the beginning with God. It's reminiscent of Jesus' words in, in John chapter 8 where they asked Him, well, who, basically, who do you think you are? You talk about our, our forefather Abraham, like he's like your footstool or something. Who do you think you are? And, and to that, Jesus replied, before Abraham was, I am. That he wasn't there at his own beginning, that he was there at our beginning. You don't have to believe it. I mean, you could think this is nonsense. You're perfectly entitled to believe that. But that's just, that was Jesus' self-perception, that he was there at, at our beginning of space and matter and time. And then verse 3, which is the verse that we're going to focus on today, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so not only was Jesus pre-incarnate, not only did he pre-exist all of space, matter, and time, John is saying that, that Jesus was there, not just as an observer, but that all things were made through him, that through him, because He is God, all things were made. In the book of Proverbs chapter 8, it talks about how wisdom was there in the beginning, that wisdom was there as the foundations of the earth were laid, and we believe that wisdom was and is Jesus Christ. Verse 4, in Him was life and the light, and the life was the light of men, meaning when you embrace Jesus for who He really is, for who He called you to be, there is peace, there is joy, there is purpose, there is hope, in His essence, we find abundant joy and peace-filled life in His life, in His light. And in His life, there's no room for darkness. In His life, there's no room for despair because His light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. The darkness has not overcome it. I want to read to you one more verse, just verse 12, and we'll touch on this again. So after saying all this, the Apostle John says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. That there is not only a grand purpose for all of the cosmos, for all the universe, but there's a purpose for your life. If I could sum up really the message in one sentence, it would be this. He created you with a design in mind that you're here for a reason. 
And, and maybe the world didn't see you coming. In our family, my, my wife is upstairs. Uh, she was an oops baby. Any oops babies here? One, two, yeah, oops, three, oops. God saw you. A amen? God saw you. We, we have four. We were only going for three. And the reasoning might disappoint you. We thought if we have three, we can still fit in an SUV. But four would require a minivan. Oops. <laughs> the world may not have seen you coming. God saw you. He has a plan for you. He created you with a design in mind. Yes, he used human agents, obviously, but your beginning was not a surprise to him. He made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. I know we think about the cosmos when we think of that statement in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but he saw you. He created you with a design in mind. Your beginning, our beginning, my beginning is proof that you're not an accident. But creation and beginning, it implies something, doesn't it? That our beginning, it implies something that is actually quite uncomfortable. It implies that there is a design. You know, scientists say that um, the entire cosmos was created by what they call the Big Bang. Ever hear of the Big Bang Theory? Not the TV show, but the, but, the, but, the, but the essence of the Big Bang Theory is this, that everything there was came into being, that everything came from nothing. Can you believe that? Everything came from nothing. And ultimately, as Christians, we believe that everything came from God, that Nothing came from the physical universe, that all of space and matter and time was created by God. And so, in the, at the outset of this theory, most scientists actually even rejected this idea because they thought, oh boy, this sounds way too much like the creation account, that the idea that everything came from nothing that, that sounds like a miracle. There's just no way we can believe that. And yet, try as they, as they did, they just found more and more evidence that everything we see and experience came from nothing, came from something beyond an infinite universe. And that, of course, pointed to an eternal creator. And that's why I know today we kind of take it as fact, yes, the Big Bang Theory, but it wasn't, it wasn't received in that way. Now today, with the advent of the, the James Webb Telescope, you might have heard that, now there are a group of scientists trying to disprove the Big Bang Theory because they don't like the idea of a beginning, because the idea of a beginning points to a creator who in the beginning created the heavens and the universe, and try as they might, they just can't get around that pesky beginning. And there's a reason for that. If there's a beginning, it begs a question that many scientists don't really want to interact with. What if creation was created with a purpose? Because everywhere we look, we see design. You take the fine-tuning of the universe, you take the fine-tuning of our atmosphere, our solar system, of what they call the gravitational, contact, uh, the con uh, the gravitational constant 
and how there's a, a force of gravity, how they take the speed of light and all the science around our solar system, our galaxy, and our universe, it all seems to be fine-tuned for life. That creation itself points to the fact that we were created with a design in mind. And while all that sounds very grand, maybe like me, you like to read articles about the cosmos and about, about creation, about galaxies and black holes and all the like, there's a personal, a personal impact to this cosmic creation. That there isn't just a reason for the universe, there's a reason for me. There's a reason for you. We read in Paul's letter in Ephesians that we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God put you here for a reason. And despite what your lived experience might be, those reasons are good. You are here for a good reason. And I know that might be hard to believe, depending on your context. You're here for a reason that is eternally good. God had good reasons in mind when you were conceived. He had good reasons in mind when you were born. He has good reasons in mind when you live today and get up tomorrow morning. God had a purpose for you even before the world was created. And that tells me that your purpose is connected to that which was never created. Your purpose is connected to more than just what you can taste, see, smell, hear, or touch. And that should actually be encouraging to you because, look, while we all have duties and obligations to our loved ones, and, and, and I believe God's plan involves the creation and your life and your friends, your family, your work. But think about how encouraging it is that your purpose in life goes beyond what you can taste, see, smell, hear, or touch. Your value, your purpose, your worth, your meaning, your significance is connected to something that will never tarnish and never fade. Think about that. Your value is connected to something that will never fade. There are some people who will only ever value you for how much money you have, for how you look, or what you can give them. But there is a value and a purpose attached to your life that is actually connected to eternity. You were created with that kind of design in mind. I would go so far to, uh, as to even say that you were never designed to live for things that are designed. You weren't created to live for created things as the pinnacle of your existence. You know, as I was thinking about this, the, one of the debates that, I, I, that came to mind that's been raging in our culture, maybe you've heard about it, is this debate about AI, artificial intelligence. Have you, have you heard about this, like AI? It, like, I, I think they're gonna like, I think Skynet's gonna take over the world and we're all dead. It's the fear, right, that we're all going to die. I remember uh, when I was, so uh, the internet was invented in like 1983, I believe, like in January, 
in case you didn't know. And it became public, I think, in 1993, somewhere in there. And I'm old enough where I remember all my teachers were denouncing the Internet. Do not go on the Internet. You have to, you have to get on the bus, go all the way to the library, and you have to take out real books. You have to pray like crazy the book is there and pray like crazy nobody ripped out the page you need. And you have to go and you have to use Scantron and that micro sheaf paper, you know, the little dot. And you gotta, it's got to go underneath the, uh, the, that projector thing. And you have to make photocopies because the internet is evil. Anyone remember that conversation? That you have to go to the library. And then, you know, fast forward four or five years, I'm like, yeah, but like, I've got a whole library right over here. I've got, you know, peer-reviewed articles, and I can cite them. And, and I, I remember that, that journey of, like, thinking to myself, I've just saved myself literally days, if not weeks of travel, going back and forth between the library when I can just access online articles. So I thought this is, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's lots of places on the internet you should not go, and there's lots of misinformation and disinformation and incomplete information. Don't get me wrong. I think the same is true of libraries, to be completely honest. But man, did it ever save lots of time. And so really, the internet just became a tool, a tool for me. And so I was talking to a friend of mine about AI, you know, just talking about the dangers and saying, you know, like, are, are the robots going to take over? And are we going to be slaves to, to AI? And, and what you know, what, what about the ethical and philosophical considerations of AI? And, and I said, well, you know, and we kind of both agreed, well, like, if we were able to use internet as a tool to increase human flourishing, then why can't we use AI as a tool to increase human flourishing? You know, and recognizing that there are dangers. And so, now, I don't really personally care for AI. I think you should create your own stuff. I think, you know, it used to be people would daydream about the stars. Now, they just YouTube videos about the stars. Uh, so, I, I'm a big believer in using your brain and, and writing things out. I'm a big believer in that. But I, I, I wanted to make the conversation evangelistic. So, here's what I said. And I, I would equip you with this type of thinking. I said, look, I think the debate around AI is proof that we recognize that deep down inside we are more than just biological machines. That's, I think, at the essence. Because if all we are is just biological machines, then why shouldn't smarter machines take over? Right? I mean, like, why would I use, like, a Macintosh when I can use a MacBook? Like, why shouldn't smarter machines, regardless of what they're made of, biology or circuitry, if we're just machines, why shouldn't smarter machines take over, right? Like, I mean, who, who wants the nuclear launch codes run by uh, old Macintosh? No, of course not. We should let smarter machines take over. But if we are more than just biological machines, then then obviously the conversation changes. And so I was able to share, hey, maybe we feel this way because there's, we feel this way because we were created with a design in mind. And that design was not to live for things that are designed. That we were created as beings that have never dying souls. Souls that were designed to worship something, 
Way back in the Old Testament, God told his people Israel, and I believe telling us today, for you shall worship no other God. And, and, and God didn't say it because he was you know, scared of you worshiping things. We are worship beings. We are beings created to worship. We worship, unfortunately, things we ought not to worship. And the warning and the encouragement here really is that if we don't worship that which is eternal and divine, we will worship the mundane and the temporary and the decaying. And we see it all the time, right? People worship their belongings. They, 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 they feel like they have value because they've bought things of value. They worship their image. You see on social media, people are, are worshiping their idea of beauty, whatever that is. That even if they should go through an uglification station. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my word list. That there's still beauty in them. Not because of what they see online or on screen. We, we worship the pursuit of pleasure. We worship really that which culture tells us to worship. And, and we would say as Christians that healthy worship puts everything in its right place. We don't worship work. We worship the one who made work possible, and that by being faithfully diligent in the things that he's given us to do, we are worshiping him. We don't worship our family. We worship God by loving others as ourselves, as an expression of our love for him. And it's not those things are wrong. I actually do think you should take care of yourself. I think you should shower. I think you should wash your clothes. I think you should fold your own laundry every week. I think you should work hard at work, but not because you worship work or you worship your image, but because we live with the recognition that we were designed by a designer for a higher good, and everything I do is an opportunity to share that goodness with others, to remind people that there's a design for my life and your life. This design isn't just cosmic and global. That design is deeply personal. He has a design for my life personally. He has a design for your life personally. You know, when I first read the Gospel of John, we're going back almost 18, 19 years now, my mind just jumped to the cosmos. My mind jumped to the stars. And, and I've had that privilege of, of being in the middle of nowhere where the closest streetlight literally is. 40, 50 miles away. And, and, and when I say closest street light, just a light. And then another 40 or 50 miles is like another light. I, I've had that privilege of being in the middle of nowhere where even if you wanted to, no one could come and help you. And I've been in that environment staring up at the starry sky thinking to myself, who made all of that? And while John had the cosmos in mind, he also had your personal life and his personal life in mind, that there is a personal design. And, and, and because of the way he wrote, it forces everyone to ask, what is my personal design? Have you ever asked yourself, why am I here? What, why am I here? What is the reason for my existence? And I don't know what the specific plans are for you. I know in a broad sense that God created you for a reason, but there is reasons 
why God put you here. And those reasons are filled with God's goodness. Those reasons are filled with his hope. Truth be told, those reasons are filled with truth. And that truth will rub up against this culture. It will rub up against this world. It will rub up against even our own government. But whatever that rub might feel like, the reasons that he put you here are good. Even if the world didn't see you coming, if your parents didn't see you coming, if others didn't see you coming, God created you. He formed you. The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. There are good reasons that God put you here. And while I don't know the broad reasons, this is what the Apostle John said just a few verses later. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You're here to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. You know, we do often ask that question, why am I here? Why did God put me here? And I submit to you that that's not the question God has really created you to ask. I think it's an important question, but the better question really is that if there is a light, if there is life in that light, if there is a creator, the better question is, what is distracting me from the only one who can tell me why I'm here. What's distracting you? See, the question isn't simply, why am I here? The question is, what is distracting me from hearing the voice of the one who put me here? What is blinding me from seeing the one who made all there is? Because the one who made you, the one who created you, has good plans for you. He made you because he loved you with an everlasting love. And our greatest challenge won't necessarily be what is that specific thing I'm supposed to do. I think if you just serve him and follow him, you'll figure it out with his help. I think our greater challenge is to keep him the primary focus of our lives, to make him the pinnacle of our worship to remind ourselves that we were never made to live for or to worship that which was designed, but to live for and to worship the great designer. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. There's an old Christmas hymn written in the 1700s. And you know it well. Oh, come, let us adore him. It's a Christmas hymn that that refocuses us not on things that were designed, but on the great designer. And the challenge to us is that we would be filled with the faith to take our eyes off the things that we can see, though we're thankful for them and want to steward them well. To take our eyes off the things that we can see and to fix our eyes and our worship on the one who deserves all of our adoration this Christmas. Amen, church. Amen. Let's worship. Oh, come, all ye faithful.
Amen. What, I tell you, you don't need more stuff. What, what we need to do is fix our eyes on him and make sure that he and he alone is the center of our adoration and our praise. Or you could gain the whole world, but in reality, it would cost you everything that mattered. It's all for him. And by his grace and mercy, as we fix our eyes on him, he just rains his goodness down. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your indescribable goodness, mercy, and grace. And we pray, Lord, for just a special provision for those who are suffering this Christmas season, physically, emotionally, financially. God, we just believe that you can do exceedingly, abundantly more, that you are a good God. And so, Lord, we just pray for your goodness to manifest in every heart, every soul, every mind, every relationship, every family, every parent, every child, every aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, every mom, dad. God, that you, that you would be the center of our adoration. And Lord, just as a light lights a room, God, that the light of your love and life would light our hearts, our homes, even our church, Lord. We love you. We give you praise. We fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. So I think I'm allowed to say it now, even though it's a little early. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How many days is it till Christmas? Enough? Not e- How many people would say not enough? Not enough. Hey, before you go, a couple of quick announcements. Number one, if you're going to be picking up your little one, where you're going to be picking them up from the sanctuary because in the next couple of minutes, they're going to be coming down and they're going to do a little mini dress rehearsal for next week. So next week, we got a bit of a, we got a choir, we've got a drama and dance and the kids are going to be doing their thing. They'll be dancing and reading scripture. And so we've been practicing for the better part of a couple of months. So they're going to come. So again, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uh, guardian. Uh, so stick around here and they're going to practice. For the rest of y'all, you can hang out here. You can hang. Actually, no. I think you're supposed to go in the foyer. Give them some space to have some uh, focus. Get some coffee out there. We've got a a wonderful photo booth. And so if you don't have a family photo yet, we'd love to help you with that. And don't forget, invite somebody next week. It's going to be a great, great service. You're not going to want to miss it. The Lord bless you. We'll see you next week.